you are listening to episode nine of the Unity Society podcast, and uh, my name is Dieter Randolph. And I'm Jenny Randolph. And today as we gather around, I want to point out that there are almost no brownies left in the kitchen, and I'm starting to, I'm, I'm in brownie morning. I know that there are brownies, but I'm, look, there's a spectrum that happens. When you make brownies, at the beginning, it's the happiest thing in the world, and the whole house smells good, and it's beautiful. There's, it's, it's as though the prosperity will never end. And you get, you can ride that wave all through the first part of the brownie experience. And they're good when they're warm. They're even better when they've been in the fridge for a while. I like my brownies cold. I'm sorry. That's the right way. There's not any reason to argue or debate about that. Please don't write in. But then towards the end, there's only like four brownies left, and I just had one right before we started recording. That's what I was doing downstairs when you were waiting for me. Yeah, I got it. That's how I would get ready. But anyway, um, but now I'm in mourning because every bite feels like it's leading me to the end of the brownie and back into what I should be doing. I'm very glad that you're enjoying the brownies. That makes me happy. If my voice sounds a little weird... Um, I'm experiencing um, a little bit of a health challenge trying to get over this cold and so there's some sneezing and some sniffling and it was very funny because what did we talk about last week? We talked about healing last week I think on the podcast. So Maybe next time we'll talk about chemicalization. Or maybe we could talk about like buckets of money or you know. <laughs> hey, groovy. I like that. Corvettes and... No, I don't want a Corvette. What's no, because then I got to grow a mustache. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't know. See, I'm I'm not feeling well. I'm not myself. But you're eating brownies, but I have stocked the fridge and the kitchen with like really, really good food down there. And like I'm doing green juices and I'm doing No, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you. You said good food. That is not the case. It is good food. You mean good for you food. And that's very, very different. I'm eating the brownies as a defense mechanism. It's it's as though you know you're waiting for the last little bit. I feel like we're in a, a, the, an evacuation mode when there's a hurricane and you, you, the stores are not open and you have to ration everything out. So I'm very careful about brownie consumption and all of that. What's going to be left is brand stuff and low fat stuff and things that have vitamins in them, and I don't need that. I, I I'm concerned. No, see, you don't even know what's down there because we don't have low fat in our house because I don't believe in the low fat thing. I believe in healthy fats. So you have no idea what is actually down in there, and I find that very, very, very humorous. No, but anyway, I I put the good stuff down there. Good for you stuff. No, it is. It's good stuff. Stop. Don't be that way. Humor me, I'm ill. But anyway, the good food that's down there and not the crap food. Can we say crap on this? By the way, uh, just so you know, the the rule is you can say what you're allowed to say on daytime TV. And the C word that you just use is 100% acceptable on daytime. Oh, but it's the C word now. Oh, that's great. Oh, fantastic. Anyway, so... Well, you've been using the H word, healthy, a lot. And I let that slide. We're not going to lose our uh, non-explicit lyrics... uh, category on iTunes. Anyway, I go down to get myself something that tastes good to me and mm-hmm. it's gone. So I don't know. I know you're not eating it. No. It must be the kids, which also makes me feel good because I know I'm raising them right, but I would like to have like some stuff left over in the fridge. I'm taking one for the team eating the brownies. You see that this is good for everybody? I think the kids just eat everything. They eat your stuff, they eat my stuff, they eat they're like locusts. Yeah. It's sad. 
it's just sad. So I maybe I'm going to have to find some hiding places in the refrigerator or in the freezer or something. And way back, or you know what? Maybe put it somewhere where they actually have to move something or clean something. Put to it get behind it. the Windex. Um, by the way, I think part of the reason is because we've been spending a lot of time in the kitchen, even more than normal. The kitchen, as with most households, is sort of the heart of our home, especially in our house. It's where people gather and you're in there making stuff and we all kind of hang out in the kitchen and that's sort of the the heart of it. But the problem happens when people are alone in the kitchen. Peer pressure can be a very good thing, but with us, the challenge that we have faced is we have a, a washing machine that has been having a health challenge. And what happens is no matter what you wash, it could be a sock. And when you put it on the spin cycle, it starts to shake uncontrollably and there's no, there's no health for it. So what you have to do is you set the timer. The kitchen is very close to where the washing machine is. Uh, and so you set the timer on the oven and you know when it's going to enter the spin cycle and you have to run in and hold the washing machine because it's lonely <laughs> and keep it from shaking like it's crazy. comical and it took the repair guys like a week and a half and in our household we do probably at least a dozen loads of laundry a week because we have a dog and we have four adults living in the house and I don't like to have things I do my sheets once a week and I you know so it's it there's always 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 laundry to do so yeah it got comical for a little while there about the timing and running all the way from upstairs and coming back down but it is all fixed and I believe that the gentleman that came yesterday he was really really cool I loved him Pedro was amazing um he he came in he looked like I imagine, you know, Von Helsing, the guy that fights Dracula, they brought in Pedro because the other repair guy couldn't handle it. And Pedro was all business. And I was in the uh, in the living room, sort of, I want, I don't want to leave anybody alone because that feels funny because if they need help, then they got to yell across the house. But I also don't want to be that weird guy that's like hovering over because I trust Pedro. Pedro is here to help me. But so I was, I was in the next room and I was reading a book. By the way, I was reading the book Tribes by Seth Godin. Amazing book, highly recommend, but I'll talk about that some other time. So I was sitting there reading the book, and Pedro came in and he said, it's spinning right now. It's beautiful. Go look at it. I'm going to go put my tools away. And he walked out my front door. It was as though he dropped the mic. He dropped the wrench. Pedro dropped the wrench, and I went in, and it didn't even look like the washing machine was moving. And so this is a dual healing. First of all, you can actually do laundry at a normal rate instead of it being an all-day little house on the prairie sort of a situation. Thank the Lord. But the Thank Pedro. But the other thing is no one is hanging out alone in the kitchen, so I bet your weird food and my good food they're both safe now well let's hope so i can cross my fingers but i don't think it will be i think they'll find it i don't think there is any hope of well, having our foods one of them edits this podcast she'll she'll be hip to it but we'll figure something out speaking of safety I'm not safe anymore. My Sunday nights are now taken up again because... Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> people talk about being like a football widower or widow, you know, that kind of a thing. And and we're not big TV people in this house, so I didn't really... I didn't understand until uh, Sheriff Rick Grimes and the that gang of uh, crime solvers and uh, wrong writers in The Walking Dead came into our lives. I've never been into that show. I love it so much. And I have to correct you. You said we're not big TV people. We are TV people. We're just not bad TV people. And we're not, it's not like it was when we were young where it was just like, you know, 
you scheduled it like Thursdays at eight eight o'clock, and you watched a show sure. and did There's with the no- family. No, we don't waste our time on bad television. We just binge and watch the good stuff. And so we do watch the television, but we watch it on our time, and we watch it whenever we want. But Walking Dead is back. It is um, two shows in to this uh, second I can't part do it, of man. the season. I can't do it. The people are mean to each other all the time. Oh, for God's sake! And I sakes. can't. I, I also there's a scientific problem. Don't write in, but you know what? Write in. There, there's a scientific. I don't want to hear. No, zombies no, don't make no, sense. No, they don't have no, nervous systems. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Work. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Really, everything on Doctor Who makes sense. Yes. Come on, stop it. Excuse me. That is no. No, no, no. You is, don't even talk about DW. It's um, a. It's a lame. All right. It's, it's a lame excuse. This is the same anyway. conversation. Brownies are better than high fiber, whatever it is. But anyway, the thing is, I think that sometime we ought to have a, a different conversation about the difference between the way television was when we were younger and the way it is now. I think that there were pros and cons to what they used to call appointment television. I think on one hand, it was really healthy to have a situation where you're not missing anything during the day. Go live your life as long as you're back at 8 o'clock because that's when the A-team comes on or whatever it is. Pros and cons, right? On the other hand, people reshuffling their lives around a television show is hardly ever a healthy thing. Pros and cons. On the other hand, now you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want, so you can theoretically live your life. But on the other hand, you use that word binge, and we do that. You know, It's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're going to burn through three hours of whatever it was. There was a Twin Peaks marathon on television last night, and I stayed I up late watching it I watched because it's it one too. of my favorite shows. But so I, I would love to have a conversation some other time about the, the pros and cons of the way TV used to be and now what they call time-shifting which sounds like something from Doctor Who, but the idea that you can watch whatever you want whenever you like. Okay, but I have to say something, though, that Walking Dead, Sundays at 9 o'clock, I'm there. Unless I want to wait the whole season and not try to get on any kind of social media or have any kind of spoilers or anything like that, that is appointment television for me because Mm. that's where I am on Sunday. So I don't think... So there are some shows that if you want to see go on when it is premiering when the show is on and you're up to date and everything like that that is appointment television but there are some people that don't watch it that way anymore and that they do choose to binge and i just think it's a you know i think it's the best of both worlds at least what if for we me. all sat around at, at during the time the walking dead came on and just like played a board game together oh, as a family stop. or sang gospel tunes oh stop it's really is a good show and i like it pbs PBS. I love PBS too. I love all of it. And remember when remember when Downton Abbey and Walking Dead were on at the same time? Remember that conundrum? As we move into the next part of the podcast, our dig in section, I want to talk about something that has been on my mind and my heart lately. There's been a couple of people that have come into my life lately that have been challenging. And I know I'm not the only one that goes through this, and I know that I'm not the only one that deals with challenging people. And I really just kind of, it was on my heart and on my mind, like I said, and I just kind of want to discuss it tonight about how do you deal with people that are sort of 
nice to your face and then they turn around and they're completely talking about you or they're completely a different kind of person and you find out about all of this stuff that was happening and you're like really you there's a song about really oh i yeah i know but but it's there are songs and there are stories and there's all this kind of stuff but it's very personal when it happens because i think for me i'm not even angry when it happens I'm right, more, it's the disappointment, right? I'm oh, more disappointed. On. I'm yeah. like, really? Did did you have to go there? Why why did you got to do that? So. Well, and there's two things that come up for me when you say that. I mean, first of all, the very first episode of this podcast, we talked about identity and authenticity. In other words, living up to what you say. And we decided, we talked about the idea that that's so central to living a good life. Of course, being a unity person, but just being a good person however you're belief system happens to shake out whatever you believe in live it you know be true to it and we talked a lot about that and so part of it is as you're walking that path of authenticity and it's a constant journey everybody has moments that are more or less authentic everybody has a public persona to one degree or another everybody has things that they do that they are really comfortable being themselves in and maybe others not so much everybody has that and you go all through that journey and that's life but how do you deal with somebody else who is very clearly not being authentic? What do you do about that? Where is the boundary between you know being a better example, being your brother's keeper, and so on? So that's part of it. But the other piece of it is if we really believe that there is no bad guys, that we're all in this together, that wherever you go, you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters. You know The whole Jesus said, our father, let's take that seriously, that, that whole thing. If we really believe that there's no bad guys, we're not really allowed to be anything other than disappointed when somebody is being inauthentic. You're not really allowed to go, well, you're a bad person, you're a miserable sinner, you're no good, I'm done with you. Because we don't throw people away. Well, and I have to say that that's not the first place that I go because obviously they're in my life for a reason. I've given them permission to be in my life. I don't think that they're a horrible, terrible person. And... But it's kind of like you have to do a little archaeology about, okay, well, this is their past and this is where they're coming from. But that gets so old. It gets so I don't I, I shouldn't have to unearth you. <laughs> well, or for, go through well, and you have to unearth yourself too, right? There's this thing you have to go through all of the steps of, okay, I know this is not about me. This is between themselves and their own spiritual unfoldment and blah blah blah. I hear what you're saying and we talk about that kind of thing, and it it's crazy to have to run down that list every single time, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And why would you do this, and how are you feeling? And, and mine is very simple. I'm not perfect, and I know that I have hurt people's feelings on accident and sometimes to be honest on purpose. You know, I knew it was going to get to them. I knew it was going to get a rise out, and obviously that's a probably a younger version of myself but I have done it so I just think that how hard is it just be nice rule number one just be nice rule number two is the golden rule it's like if I if it doesn't feel good and I wouldn't want it done to me I'm not going to do it to another person. Sure. I mean, it really is a very very simple thing and sometimes you know in the heat of the moment I understand that. In the heat of the moment, you're having an argument, you say something that you don't mean, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a calculated move 
to undermine or to talk behind somebody's back or, you know, that they are one thing to your face and then completely another, you know, and when they're out of your company. And so I think that that's very interesting. I mean, obviously it's not my problem with these people that, you know, they have their own issues. But again, as a person and as a thinking person and as a feeling person, you go, why, why, why did you do that? Why do you feel like you need to do that? And I guess ultimately it doesn't matter, but my human self wants to know, you know, okay, why? My human self wants to know answers. And maybe the the real part of it is that it's not really about me. No. And I don't need, I know, I know. Just, <laughs> I know, most everything is about me. Sure. And I know that's what you're going to say. But, it, but honestly, all joking aside, it's really not about me, it's about them. And, but see, I think that that can get sticky too, because when do you take personal responsibility for your role in it? You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like you, you obviously have a role in whatever relationship you choose to be in. And then, you know, you feel wronged or they feel wronged or something goes on. And so it, it, it really does, it really does get escalated very quickly if you're not paying attention. Well, so there's a couple of things going on there. Part one is it's never about the external. It's always about the internal. And in one way or another, we talk about this every week. We talk about it all the time. Every Unity book is about that. It's not about what's going on outside the things or the actions. It's about the thoughts and the feelings. It's always about the inside stuff. So, so much of the healing process has to do with taking it within. So we know this. So let's just put that aside for just a second. I used to think... And I, I know I read it somewhere, and I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember where I read it because I, I read it such a long time ago. And in fact, it's been rephrased a bunch of different times by a bunch of different people, so it's in a lot of places. Anyway, a definition I encountered of ethics is the gulf between what you know and what you do. The idea is you're not being very ethical if you know one thing and you do another. And on the flat, that sounds pretty good, right? That's okay, I can get that. But the truth is... Now that I think about it and listening to you say that, and and just I've been reflecting on it a little bit lately because some other stuff came up, I think that's wrong. I don't think there ever is really a, a distance, a gulf between what you know and what you do. I really think that when whatever you're doing, it's the best you knew how to do at that moment. I really think that. Now, here's what I mean by that. It could be that you you have some ethical system, whether it's a church thing or something you picked up from your upbringing or whatever, and you may not be being true to that, but that's external. I'm talking about the rules that are written on your heart. You're living them to the best of your ability, and you're trying to arrive at some kind of growth, some kind of a realization of love, some kind of a sense of good. Let's just call it good. Everybody's driving at some kind of a good, the best they know how, otherwise they would have done it differently. So what I'm suggesting is, let us not condemn the action, but because there's always going to be more of those actions. People do dumb stuff. I do dumb stuff. People do unfortunate, mean, whatever kind of stuff all the time. And we can wear ourselves out pointing at and punishing the wrongdoing. But until we start looking at the wrong thinking, the unfortunate thing. Let's take the word wrong out of it, but you know what I mean. 
And so what I'm trying to say is, you did this thing to me, but you know what? It wasn't the thing that you did that I want to pay attention to. I'm going to point out dysfunctional behavior and so on, but it's not the thing you did. It's clearly you have an idea about good, love, truth that is not healthy for me. And the choice I have is not really about the action you took or the whatever. It's about the feeling that you have. And so the choice I have is you're working for love. I'm working for love. How can I show you that the, the way that you're defining love is not healthy for me and there's a better way? Well, just like we always say, people teach you how to treat them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that whether or not the distance is felt, you have to, I now have to distance myself from, from these couple of people. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, okay, no, you don't, you don't get all of me now. And I don't have from afar, right? Right. And I don't have to be mean about it. And I don't have to be snarky about it. I can just stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe some things that I were, I was telling them, or maybe some, some things that I were sharing with them won't be shared anymore. Um, and I, I, just think that that is sort of the best way. I have to say for myself, when I have learned that I have hurt somebody's feelings, I first thing is apologize. Mm-hmm. First thing is apologize. And you know me, I have a rule. You tell the truth and you tell it quickly and you get it out of the way and you just take your take that responsibility for your actions because nobody is perfect. And if you do that right up front, there's no place for that other person to go. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. And so for me, I feel like when people can't take that or can't be confronted with what they have done wrong, that is very interesting to me. And I think obviously that other person has some work to do and and their understanding of how love works and how, how you treat other people. But Well, and when you realize that you messed up, that you did something that was mean, let's say, or whatever. And just as you said, we've all done it. We're all in this oh, yeah. growing up mess together. And it's there's real beauty in that. But man, oh man, I've, I've done some silly stuff. Hopefully, what you take away from that is, oh, I had a goofy idea about how relationships or life or whatever it was. I had a goofy idea about that. Hopefully, I've gotten something that I can used to get a better idea, a bigger concept, right? Because if all you do is treat the symptoms, the actions, you're never going to get out of it and you're always going to be apologizing for the same category of flub ups all the time. So you take it back to what was I what did I think about life that led to that misunderstanding, for example. And you can't force somebody else to do that, of course. It's hard to even say to somebody else some of that stuff. You can find ways when you're really close to people and that sort of thing. But part of it is showing them and part of it is just as you say, sometimes you have to create a little bit of distance in order for there to be something good to fill that space. There's a quote in Prosperity where Charles Fillmore says, you wouldn't give a kid a million dollars to go and get ice cream. Now what he's talking about in that chapter is you get what you're ready for in terms of, you know, are you asking for big prosperity demonstrations when you're not capable of treating what you have like it belongs to God? So he's talking about something a little bit different. But in this moment, what it makes me think of is give people what they can be responsible for. It's crazy to say, here's my whole everything. Here's all of my feelings and all of my stuff, even though I know you're going to abuse it. 
it's the same as giving a kid the keys to the car when he's seven years old, let's say, and saying, hey, go get ice cream. You don't do that. It's not fair to the kid. It's dangerous for you, and you're also not going to get your ice cream. So what I'm suggesting is sometimes people are showing by the way that they act that, you know what, their belief system has some piece of dysfunction in it, some sense of, okay, their idea of love is not compatible with mine. It's not better or worse. It's a different idea, and the two don't work together. So I need to separate so that I'm not giving that person enough fuel to do something hurtful because remember, not only is it hurtful to you, but now they're going to have to deal with that in their karma and the next thing that they have to deal with. So I'm going to be responsible enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to give you that amount of rope. I'm going to step back in love and say, okay, I recognize that you, just like me, you just want love. But I'm going to show you that love includes respect. So as you were talking, I had a thought. And that thought was, if people are talking about you, I guess you probably are in pretty good company. (laughs) And let me explain what I mean by that. Every celebrity, famous person, actor, actress, singer, performer, musician, it seems in this culture, no matter what they're doing, they don't get really talked about about the quality of their work. Stuff is talked about them about their marriage and about their how they were raising their kids and how you know how they're dressing and everything else. And it's just amazing to me that people actually have an opinion about that. You don't know these people. Well, and but that's a marketing point. You know, the idea is it's it feeds sort of a twenty-four hour celebrity news cycle where it's not just about do you like this painting that Picasso painted, but now it's well, how do you think about his home life? And the thing is. I don't care. I wouldn't want to live with Picasso, but it doesn't change anything about the beauty of what he painted, let's say. But we're supposed to have an opinion about where Kim Kardashian went on her honeymoon slash divorce party cruise. I'm sure that Kim Kardashian would be just as happy for you not to care. And the thing is, it's it's one of those things where it's a great marketing point, as I said, But it is also a wonderful dodge because if I spend a lot of my time thinking about the peccadillos and foibles of famous people, I don't have to think about myself. Well, there would be no Kardashians because they're famous for being famous. So there would be no Kardashians if people didn't care. And so I would argue that Kim Kardashian does care that you care. And in fact, I think that she perpetuates the whole thing and probably talks about and does outlandish things so that she is continued to be talked about. So, I mean, I would argue some people like Meryl Streep or that actually have a craft that they're doing would say, get out of my life. It's about the movies that I make. It's about my work. It's about my craft. It's about the music that I'm producing and putting out. Um, I would argue that there are people there that would say, no, I don't want you in my personal life, as we have seen with, you know, celebrities and the paparazzi and stuff like that. But I do think that this culture is bred to, to you're supposed to have an opinion, just like you said. So I think that that filters down into everyday life. Well, one way or the other, I, I hear what you're saying. One way or another, one of the reasons that it's such an attractive prospect is because if I'm thinking about somebody famous, about whether or not it's the art they make or could not possibly make, whether or not it's about this product, 
but whether or whether they're the product. If I'm thinking about that, I don't have to think about myself. And it is so much more fun on some level to decide that somebody on TV is a bad person or a bad parent or a bad whatever it is rather than be a better person or a better parent or a better whatever it is myself. It's a wonderful dodge and I think that it really speaks to the fact that there are a lot of people who just don't feel worthy. And the reasons for that are myriad. But it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. The the thing is, not the why did this happen, but the fact that here we are. There are people who don't feel like they're part of anything bigger than themselves, that, that don't feel like they deserve that. And you can see that because those are the people that are really excited about what other people are doing. Those are the people that have the time to pick on their friends and loved ones and associates instead of looking at themselves. And this is not a modern phenomenon. This is stuff in the Bible. You know, you've got a, you know, you're worried about the moat in your brother's eye, the little speck of dust when you've got a beam, like a telephone pole in your own eye. You know, this is the same old thing. There are certainly people who, if you say, hey, look at that sunset. Isn't that amazing? There are people who say, yeah, but the noise of those birds and those tourists, and did you see that guy? And he was fishing right there, and there's kids swimming, and somebody could get hurt. It's not just that they're being negative. It's that there is a part of them that doesn't feel like they just deserve a sunset. And so the job that we have is to be the kind of people who can say, okay, I know you're saying that because you feel like you've got to trade that good experience with a bad experience so that you you don't feel like you've earned it, so you've got to sort of do the transaction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the trick that we have, the job that we have, let's say, is to be the kind of person that says, yeah, but you know what? I'm so glad that you and I were here for this, and no matter what else is going on in the world, right here in this moment, don't you think we both just deserve a good sunset? And if the other person says, oh, yeah, but, but, but you can go, no, that's it. I'm so happy that we're here. And that little moment of rebellion, and that's what it is, that little moment of rebellion is so beautiful. I mean, find ways to not be a jerk about it, of course, but there are ways to just say, no, this is what we're doing, and I love you so much that I just don't care about what else is going on anywhere in the world. And that can be applied to the person in your life who just doesn't feel like they deserve good and just can't have positive without negative, who when they talk to you on the phone, all they can talk about is what bad things are going on. But it can also be applied to when somebody is doing something mean, when you know they're capable of love. And there's ways, but at the end of the day, we talk to those people like we would talk to one of our kids. No, honey, we're not going to treat each other that way. And there's something really beautiful about remembering. As we've said many times, we're all just kids. So stop eating my food. Oh, don't worry about me. N- no, I was talking to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> This listen-up question comes from Travis M. 
And I just want to point out once again, the listen up is the segment where people write in questions they have. And if you want to send in a question, please send it in to us. There's lots of ways you can do it through social media, through our website, unitysociety.com. There's a contact form and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk more about that later. But right now, I just want you to know that we would love to know what you'd love to know. So send in your questions. But once again, this comes from Travis M. I know we're supposed to honor our father and mother but I'm finding it hard knowing how to do that and what it really means, especially now that I am a parent. Can you shed some light on that for me? Thank you for your question, Travis. I think that this is one of those things that everyone who's ever had parents has had to deal with. I mean, we say, and actually, Jenny, you've said many times, you choose your parents. I think you do. I think on a soul level, before we even become a physical being, uh, we choose our parents, and that is scary. <laughs> so look, I love my parents. I love my step-parents. I love all of the people who have fulfilled some kind of a parental role in my life, and for whatever reason, I have a lot of them. But I got to admit, there's parts of that where you go, oh boy, I chose that. What are you doing? What is that? And and more to the point, just just as Travis wrote, now, now that I am a grown-up and I see myself not just influencing our Miles and Reina, our children, but also all of the children that we mentor in the youth group. And, you know, it's one of those things. You set yourself up to be an authority figure in some way or another, which is crazy all by itself, but you end up fulfilling a, a kind of a parental role in some people's lives. So what I see is the places where I really want to do it right. And I recognize that people who have parented me may or may not have had those same priorities. And so you go, okay, well, I have different things that I think are important than what you do. How do I match that with the sense of honor? Now, I want to back up for a second and say, now, of course, you know that when we interpret the Bible, we do so allegorically. Some people say metaphysically. The point is we look for the symbols. And so it's not just about honoring your biological mom and dad. That's important too, but more than that, it has to do with remembering where you came from, honoring the love that created you, not just on a physical level, but, but remembering that you are a spiritual being. And going from there, honoring that means remembering that you don't come from the things you do, the stuff you buy, the people's opinion of you, that kind of stuff. Your nature is spiritual first and foremost. Part of what the commandment about honoring your father and mother has to do with is remembering that you are a spiritual being. Don't let yourself be defined by externals. So that's part of it. But as we often say, that's a subject for another time. You're asking about biological parenting. And I think for me, the way that I choose to do it is I take the best of my parents and that's what I choose to pass on in my own parenting and hopefully our kids will pass those good things that I took from my parents and the good things for me and the good things from them and they'll pass that on and I think that that is a really nice way to honor you don't have leave the bad stuff behind and and I don't like to use the word bad but you know what I mean leave the not so good times that you had with your folks leave leave that behind leave the negative stuff 
you know, outside the door. Bring into your home the things that you treasure about. For me, my mom did traditions and holidays super, super well. And I love that about her. Every Christmas, every Easter, every Valentine's Day, Arbor Day, it wouldn't matter. She just, (laughs) she did it right. She really did. And so I choose to take that part about her and I really try to live up to the things that I loved about that and hopefully pass it on to my kids as well. Now they get to pick and choose what they're going to take from me to move on and take into their own lives and their own hearts. But to me, that really does mean honoring. And from my dad, I really chose, he had such a beautiful spiritual awareness that I loved. We could talk about anything that had to do with spirituality and it didn't even matter what religion or where it was or or anything. We just had beautiful, wonderful conversations and that's what I chose to take from him. He had his own level of challenges that we don't even need to get into and you know, maybe it wasn't always so good all of the time but I can take that and I can honor him and I can honor as you said, different parents, quote unquote parents that have come into my life and you can take good from them. And then the facts of life theme song (laughs) is in. Take your good, take your bad. Take the good, you take the bad. Yeah, no, that's terrible. You know, I have to tell you that, and as our kids could attest, growing up with, with ministerial parents is nutty. There is all kinds of crazy things about that. And I'll double down on that craziness because it's it's even more so when you decide to go into the same line of work as your parents. And I have so much respect for my mom and dad. And we've got our differences as anybody does, but we love the same thing. And so I can appreciate that commonality. How we do it is completely different. And I have to tell you that I always wanted to be a minister. Always. But there was a time in my life when I kind of gave up on it a little bit just because I thought that being a minister meant I had to do it the way that my parents did it. And it's not that they were doing it quote unquote wrong or anything like that, but I just didn't want to do it that way. It didn't speak to me. I wanted it, but I didn't want it, you know? And it wasn't until I, I got a little bit older and I realized that I could just take pieces of that. I could be inspired by pieces of that and make it my own. Part of honoring your your biological parents or your parental figures, part of honoring those people is not in just trying to be a carbon copy of them and it's certainly not in doing everything that they did because they'd probably be the first to tell you that they didn't do everything right. But instead, learn from it and take it in a new direction. Honoring means carrying it forward. You used the word tradition a moment ago, and you know, I know, because we've talked about this before, and it's actually part of our next book, which we won't talk about just yet, but the word tradition actually means to carry forward. So if you want to honor something traditional, it doesn't mean just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. It means take the essence of it, the nucleus, take the good in it, the love in it, the truth of it, and carry that forward. That's how evolution works. Take the good parts. And you know what? I don't know what kind of parental experience you've had. Maybe it was just a, a, a beaver cleaver existence. Maybe not. You have learned something, even if all you learned is what not to do. You know what? That's a lesson too. 
take the lesson and learn it. We honor our parents by looking at them, whether we can physically or whether there's distance of all kinds. Look at them in your heart, in your mind's eye, and say, you know what? Whatever has gone before, thank you. Because I have learned something that has made me different and better. I choose to learn. I honor by choosing to learn. Once again, whether it's positive inspiration or negative lesson, whether I learn what to do or what not to do, doesn't matter. The trick to honoring is thanksgiving. So can you say to that person, that mom, dad, or that mom, dad figure, can you say, you know what? Thank you. I'm going to take my understanding of the best that you gave me and I'm going to pass that forward. And you know what? The answer to this question is a little bit about what we talked about a moment ago about people being authentic. What you do is you say, you know what? Maybe you're not living up to that potential right now, but I'm not here to judge that. I'm going to look at the truth about you and try to carry it forward. some things that we would like for you to check out. Uh, March 1st, we are going to be on Truth Transforms radio show. If you go to unity.fm and look for the Truth Transform show, you'll see how you can listen to that live. And then on March 4th, what do we do in Dieter? On March 4th, there is a book fair, uh, a local author's expo, I believe it's called, at Wings Bookstore here in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth. And uh, look for Wings Bookstore. And also we've got a link up on our website, unitysociety.com slash events. And uh, you can find out about that. We're going to be there all day and we're going to be giving a presentation about our book, Branching In, The Journey from Alone to All One. Branching In, by the way, is available at Amazon.com and a bookseller near you. Uh, but anyway, we'll be talking about the book. We'll be signing copies of the book and all that kind of stuff. So looking forward to that. It's just so much fun. And Wings Bookstore, if you're anywhere around St. Pete, you got to check Wings out. It's just such a neat place to it's be. It's beautiful. They've done a really nice job. March 11th, we'll be participating in the Hunger Walk in Port Ritchie. Again, there's a link on our website right. that you can find more information. March 19th, we'll be in Gainesville. Yeah, we'll be doing a special branching in Sunday service and book signing uh, at Unity of Gainesville, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're at Unity of Sebring on April 2nd. I love that church. Reverend Andy has, has done such a wonderful job, and that, that church community is just awesome there in Sebring. And then April 7th through the 9th is our teen retreat, our annual spring gathering. So if you know anyone that's 14 to 19 or even a little bit older that is uh, young adult age, Please go to the website, check it out. Anybody can come. It's a wonderful time, and it's a really, really great weekend. Yeah, registration is up right now, and that is at events.iamunity.org. We'll also be at Unity of Sarasota on April 23rd. And as always, you can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Yeah, if you go to unitysociety.com, all of those links to the various social media things are at the bottom. Um, come find us. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to, to know if you're enjoying the podcast and what we could be talking about and that sort of thing. This is really a work in progress, and I think that we're learning, but I'd, I'd love to get some feedback from you. Yeah, and the handle for all of those is at the Unity Society. My personal Instagram is at Jenny A. Randolph. And I'm Dieter underscore Randolph on Instagram. And I'm at Dieter on Twitter. So, Dieter, 
let's uh, wrap it up. Okay, every time, every time you say that, I have to chuckle a little bit so I have to get my composure back. Here's a deal. We're all in this together. That's what the Unity Winged Globe symbol is all about. And we're here to learn things from each other and we're here to teach from each other. That is it. Those are the two modes. Those are the two job descriptions. Those are the things that we're here to do with other people. If you want to improve your relationship with somebody, ask yourself, am I seizing the educational opportunity? In other words, am I learning from you and am I teaching you? And you know what? If you want to get done with somebody, you've got to answer the same questions. That doesn't mean I'm going to hang out with this abusive person until they learn from me. It could be that what they need to learn from you is that you're not going to hang around while they treat you bad. You don't have to put up with stuff that hurts, not ever. But you do have to learn and you do have to teach. Sometimes with your presence, sometimes with your words, and sometimes with your absence. But one way or another, if you truly learned, you can truly say thank you. That's the test. Can you say thank you? Get to a place of thanksgiving and you can only grow. And so can they. The Unity Society Podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios. And uh, the sound engineer is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph, and she's half of the music. The other half is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. We are fully supported by you. And what that means is, well, you're supporting us. <laughs> you're supporting us by spreading the word. Go tell your friends about this podcast. Please tell your friends about unitysociety.com. We'd love it if you'd stop by the website and just pay it a visit. Look at some of the amazing articles. Basically, people ask me what Unity Society is about, and I say, look, it's a fan site. We are dedicated to creating grassroots enthusiasm for living this life. And so when you go to unitysociety.com, you find articles that we've written and even recipes and places you can go to check out this stuff. Basically, it's just trying to get people excited. Jenny and I are just cheerleaders for living the unity life. If you want to get started in unity or, or help somebody else get started, it's a great place to start. Read the stuff and then find a unity center near you. But mostly, as far as supporting this podcast, the best thing you can do is go wherever you encountered the podcast. If you're listening to this on iTunes right now or SoundCloud or Stitcher or TuneIn or Google Play or any one of a million other uh, podcatchers, go to the place where you're listening and write us a good review. We'd love that because it helps spread the word. It makes the magic algorithms that, in, that promote the podcast go. It's just good for us. It's good for you. And so please go spread the word and write a good review. Have an amazing week, everybody. Thanks for listening.